welcome to Meet the Artists Interviews. My name is Kirsten Gam. I am the registrar for the San Francisco Ballet School. This program is presented by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. Today is Sunday, February 17, 2008. We are broadcasting from the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. This interview is being podcast, so I'd like to not only welcome you here live in our audience, but our listeners that are joining us via podcast as well. Most of the Meet the Artist series will be available as podcasts on our website at www.sfballet.org with new installments every week. Today it is my sincere pleasure to be speaking with principal character dancer and ballet master Anita Pachodi. Thank you. Hello. Good afternoon. Anita Pachotti joined San Francisco Ballet in 1968. In 1987, Mr. Thomason appointed Anita principal character dancer. Ms. Pachotti was appointed rehearsal assistant in 1982 and then promoted to ballet master in 1991. Anita, you certainly have spent many years as a dancer and ballet master with this company. Would you just share with us a bit about your training and what led you to this company in those earlier years? Okay. I'm a local girl. I was born in the East Bay and received uh, my training initially from a small school whose uh, background was San Francisco Ballet. So the connection was early on. I spent one summer at the school here as a teenager. And then I was uh, trained for several years by a man named Raoul Pauze in Oakland. I was an original member of the Oakland Ballet uh, when Ron Guidi was a dancer. And we were partners in many ballets together. And uh, kind of by, by lucky circumstance, I, I, uh, I was lucky enough to be invited to take class with the San Francisco Ballet for a while. And I was actually a college student. At, I, I didn't know that I could be a professional, could I, couldn't I kind of thing. So I was going to Cal Berkeley and uh, at the beginning of my third year, I got kind of this serendipitous chance. So I, I ran away and joined the circus. <laughs> I never looked back. Wonderful. Uh, I know there are probably many, many roles that you have performed over your history with the company. I'm just wondering if you could share a couple of those roles that were truly memorable for you over that time. There were many. I... I I always single out the one that was the most um, full because it was the only real full length that I did as a principal, and that was La Fille Malgarde, which was so much fun. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as um, I guess high pressure as Swan Lake and Sleeping Beauty, but it was a full length and it had a, a characterization and a story from beginning to end, and and it was very challenging and I and a lot of fun to do, and I loved every single character in it. I loved the ballet so. That one was very special, and I did it for years, and that was great. But I think the main thing that I see when I look back on my career is that it was about the variety and the going from one thing to another that were so different that made me very fulfilled. We often danced three ballets a night in my generation and did our own makeup and our own hair, and you might be doing Lou Christensen's Il Distrato, and then maybe you're going to be doing Shinju with a, you know, Japanese makeup, full white, and you're doing it yourself, and then you get out of that really quickly, and then we're going to do Symphony at Sea. So it, just being able to do that and not have 
sort of the time to 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 worry too much, but just get it, get just do it, you know, make that quick change and get out there and do it. It was exciting, and it took away the nervous and kind of the so much time can be spent in preparation that um, it almost takes over the experience of being on stage. So. Um, to me, anyway, it, that was a, that was the delightful part. I, I remember many things. Um, of course, Lady Capulet was a wonderful role that I did in uh, a long time, and it was very gratifying. Uh, many things. <laughs> I loved doing the stepmother in Cinderella. I mean, that's what I mean. I, I mean, I really truly mean that. Uh, it didn't have to be a dancing role, it, as long as it was a gratifying role, and I felt that I could connect with the audience. I was very happy. <laughs> uh, last night, we saw you perform uh, Berta, the mother of Giselle. Many of you, of course, will be seeing Giselle this afternoon. Would you just uh, give us a, just a, a brief description of that character and how you prepare her to play that role? Giselle's mother. Uh, it's not a gigantic role, but she's pivotal in telling the story because she is the one who tells the audience that Giselle has a weak heart. And then she explains that she's afraid that she, she will die from this if she overexerts. And if she's not supposed to dance so much, or really doesn't want her to dance much at all. Um, because if she does, and she dies, since she's, she, could, uh, she could turn into a willy. And so if, you, if, you know your pan, if you've done your pantomime homework, you understand what the mother is saying during that pantomime, all about... Uh, you'll rise from the grave, and you'll be a, like a spirit, and and you'll be a willy, and then you're going to go flying in the night. So we'll look for that today. So that's furthering the story, and it's exactly the pantomime that Myrto will do, or at least basically at the beginning of the second act. She can do the same gesture, bring her hand down like this. So uh, she's just showing care for her daughter and lamenting when when she's gone and... Uh, in addition to being a principal character dancer, you're also responsible for staging and rehearsing numerous ballets. And if you would indulge me, I'm just going to list a few of these choreographers. They include Sir Frederick Ashton, George Balanchine, David Bentley, August Bourneville, Christopher Bruce, Laura Lubavitch, Agnes DeMille, Jerome Robbins, Helgi Thomason, Paul Taylor, Lila York, Stanton Welch, Christopher Wielden, and Yuri Polsakoff. Again, just to name a few, which is truly impressive. Thank you. Um, for those that may be less familiar with the role of a ballet master, would you just tell us what all of that entails and how do you prepare to, to stage and rehearse all of these numerous works? Uh, of course, uh, the, the creation of a work is done by the choreographer, uh, but the person who sits with him or her during that process is probably closest to uh, inside it as you could be. I mean, each dancer is as close to their particular part or role as anyone could be beside the choreographer. But for an overview of the whole ballet, the one person who has that insight is the assistant or the ballet master because you, you begin to understand almost... How the how the choreographer thinks in a way. If you're if you're in tune and if you know them pretty well, you've done more than one or two pieces with them, you can almost start to um, answer the question like, what would he if there's a discrepancy, for example, what would he do if 
what, what's the answer here? What would, uh, what would James want, James Kudelka? What would David do? And this is in lieu of the person because, of course, when that person is gone, the responsibility for maintaining the peace is on, all of, on us, the ballet masters. Of course, it's on the, each individual dancer as well. I mean, uh, guaranteed. But we are we are in, we are in lieu of the choreographer because many of them are international, you know, people and come from come from a far away and then go back, and then in subsequent years they often don't return. So it's up to us entirely to restage the piece, replace people who have uh, moved on to another rank, for example, or who've retired and things like that. So it's a very big job, very big responsibility. So as uh, was already discussed earlier, joining the company in 1968, you have many, many years with this company. I'm wondering if you could just uh, briefly tell us some of those changes you've seen in the, the repertory and what we may be excited looking forward to at the New Works Festival at the end of uh, this year, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the company. Sure. Uh, when I joined the company, the, Lou Christensen was the director, the sole director, and it was a very limited um, amount of touring and amount of performances that we did, and it was almost almost entirely Lou Christensen's work. Uh, a little, a little here and there, but not a lot. Um, and the touring was very limited. We thought it was a big deal if we went to Oceanside, California, on the bus. <laughs> And performed in a gymnasium, you know, it was, it was rough times then. And just a few performances of Nutcracker and uh, maybe a week season in the spring doing something like uh, Beauty and the Beast. So it was very different, very different. And then, then the years with Michael Smuin on board were uh, very years of growth and great, great change and very productive artistically because both were working, and in some cases they worked together, for example, on Cinderella. But we, we also started to bring in uh, more people like Yuri Killian, Ashton. Uh, Ashton's works came in at that time. Um, so we were getting exposure to uh, more. Eric Brun came as a guest teacher, more and more. But still, it wasn't a huge budget, and we didn't do much international touring. We did a little bit. did a nice trip to South America and one to Europe, Scotland. But um, when Helgi became the director, it really leaped into the international scene, this company, because Helgi, number one, is, of course, he's an Icelandic man, so um, he, he wasn't a Native American <laughs> Native to begin with. Um, so it's a different perspective, different overview from the get-go. You know, he didn't think about, oh, I have an American company, or I have, oh, I'm going to have another New York City ballet. He didn't, he, it's, not his, it's not his makeup. He's, he wasn't just from New York City ballet. He had danced in the Harkness. He had danced in Denmark. He'd been, you know, he'd been in so many environments under so many influences, and he knew so many people that he immediately was able to just call upon so many uh, teachers, choreographers, designers, every, da and dancers. You know, he and Marlene would go all over the world looking at festivals and looking at all kinds of resumes. So we became an international company by the uh, people that he hired and by the choreographers that came in to work with us. And then, of course, the wonderful board of directors who were so uh, creative with their um, 
their part of it and getting the funding that we could really expand and do it, the international touring that we do and the major productions that we've done, you know, so many, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, Romeo and Juliet, and, of course, for example, 10 new works for the festival celebrating the 75th anniversary this year. It's quite, it's quite a rise <laughs> to prominence, I think. Most definitely is. I know um, many of you probably have some questions you've been dying to, to ask Ms. Pachotti. I'm going to turn it over for a little uh, question-answer session now, if anyone is interested. Yes, sir. Uh, the question is, is her son still dancing? <laughs> no, my son danced until he was about 13, and then I think he, he was very honest with me. He finally said, Mom, I think it was the tights. <laughs> In middle school, you know, it was it was the tights. But he, he, no, thank you for asking. He he still does a pirouette in the in the kitchen for me now and again. But now he's a really terrific soccer player. The question is, if if the San Francisco Ballet houses a large video archival collection, so when restaging some works, that Anita can go back and and look at some of that. Yeah, that's absolutely probably the one most important factor other than the dancer's own body and muscle memory and um, to, 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 you know, to recreate these pieces. It's very, very important. We film everything, we video everything in the studio when it's created, like just the day, the day that it's done or the day after it's done. We often do two or three of those tapings. So we can, we can go back in the studio and we'll all look at it together Ballet master will have studied it on his or, her own, her or her own beforehand, and any anyone who's uh, new to the piece can take that videotape and go into the library or uh, designated area and watch it on their own time. So it's it's very important. It's crucial to what we do. Uh, the question is: If the company, are there any future plans for La Bayadere? Uh We did the we did the second act of. I think not some time ago, but I haven't heard any plans in the near future. Yes, ma'am. The question is the current status of dance notation and how it's evolved or how it's being used or maybe it hasn't evolved. It's an interesting question. There are two systems of notation that I know about. One is Laba notation and the other is the Benesh, and they're both really originated, I believe, in England, and they're widely used by the Royal Ballet and uh, I think David Bentley's company. There are people who are professional notators who are not ballet masters. It's not the same person, generally, who is the person like me. There's another person who just makes uh, a project of writing down a little, you know, kind, you know, a little system, a little code system, and they do it and generally, they do it on a gigantic score. It's about really big. So that along with the music, you can draw your, the little hieroglyphics. And it, it's quite, quite efficient, but it's very difficult um, to learn. It takes years. And I don't really know why, but it hasn't become very widely used in America. Um, I just, I know, we have one lady in, who was with us until her new baby, Leslie Young, and she was a student of notation, and she was doing very well with it. She could do it, for sure, but maybe, maybe it takes a certain kind of personality that isn't the kind of person that is, is suited to being a ballet master. I don't know. It's too bookish or something, you know. We rely on our own little systems of um, 
code and shorthand. You know, we all have different ways of of uh, making notes on the pieces. They're, mine is just kind of stream of consciousness, and I can read it, but maybe no one else can. But that's the best I can answer that question. Yes, over here. The question, uh, probably from a young ballet student, is when and why you started dancing. <laughs> um, I always danced. I was the youngest of the four children in my family. My mother played the piano. Uh, I remember being the last one at home when everyone was in school, and then we had our then we had really went to town. And she would play, and I would create things and put lampshades on, you know, like kids do. I really always danced and did handstands and all of that, and I, I wanted a leotard for my birthday. And, and I, you know, it was just kind of a fantasy. Um, and actually, it's a funny story, very briefly. Uh, in the fifth grade, fourth grade, we had musical aptitude tests, and I was called into the principal's office. And he said, you know, you scored very well on your test, and, you know, we were just wondering. We really need a school drummer. There's, we have no drummer for the band, the, the orchestra. And I was a very good girl, and I didn't know how to tell the principal that I was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. So I told my parents about it, and they said, Well, Nita, you've been wanting those ballet lessons for a long time. Maybe it's time we do that, and then you can tell your principal. So they got out the yellow pages and found the local school, and I got out of being a drummer in the band. (laughs) Yes. The question is, uh, Giselle's been around um, 166 years, and the production that you're going to see this afternoon says Helgi Thomason's choreography based on Pedipon. So what does that mean? How similar is that to the original works, and how is, has that changed? Yeah, I, I think the uh, after Pedipon basically is paying... Um, it's correct. It is after Pedipon because believe, I believe you would say that that choreography is now in the public domain, that it's okay. You, it, you're not stealing if you use it, and it is the traditional, and it is the first version. and uh, So you have the right to, to use it. But he, all, you know, he also has the right to, to make his interpretation of it. And, of course, over 166 years, there hasn't been just one version of the Petipah, and perhaps even Petipah himself did many different things with it. So it's a place to go from. And, and to take this part, maybe, but not that part. And, for example, in our, in our ballet, there's a section for Giselle and Albrecht that doesn't exist at all in the Petit Pas. It's new music added. It's a, pot, a little pas de deux for the two of them and a solo variation for him and for her. I think partly he wanted to give Albrecht more dancing to do in the first act. So you see there, it's, this is totally Helgi's choreography. The rest is kind, is kind of... You know, borrowing here, but changing this or making arranging it a little bit differently. But does that answer your question? Thank you. We have time for one more question. Yes. Uh, the question is, what is a, a, a normal schedule for a dancer? Right now, of course, Giselle is being performed, but what else is going on throughout the week? Are they rehearsing for other performances? Yeah, uh, basically the uh, work week for the, the professional dancer during a season is six days a week. It's one day off. So uh, they are uh, active all day. Even though there is some overtime 
let's say, on, on a performance day, you are required uh, two hours of rehearsal on that day. But that's not enough to get everything that we have to get done prepared, not by a long shot. So most people are going to rehearse at least four, maybe five hours on the day of every performance. We'll try to be careful with the principals, but everybody else, even sometimes more. It's just whatever, whatever we need. But definitely those studios will be filled every hour um, of those of the, those six days, and it's, it's it's what it takes to get this done. And this is a particularly challenging year. So, our scheduling director, Alan Villarreal, is he's putting putting himself on on overdrive right now. And I'm sure you are as well, yeah. which means we're that much th- more thankful for you taking this time to speak with us today. Uh, we really appreciate your being here. Uh, thank you as well, our audience, for coming and to our podcast listeners out there. Uh, again, just a reminder, these podcasts are available for Meet the Artist interviews on sfballet.org. Thank you all very much for coming. Thank, thank you. you. Enjoy the performance.